Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, and sadly, I'm not with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al was called away to important business, so we'll do our best to uh, struggle along without him. But I think today might be a little bit easier because we have one of our favorite guests. And I think, Rich, you've probably been on the show more than anybody else. And I know I probably don't have to do a recap of who Rich is, but just for the benefit of our newer audience, because we're always uh, growing the show. Rich has been practicing employment law for 16 years. His firm is Appia Law. He was a partner at a downtown for many years before he founded Appia Law in 2017. He has been repeatedly recognized as a leading practitioner in employment law in the Canadian Lexpert Legal Directory. And I understand he's been invited a guest on the CBC a couple of times to provide legal commentary, which is very cool. I want to hear more about that. That's for sure. And Rich has a wealth of experience advising small and large businesses in matters relating to HR law. Rich, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Robin. It's always good to be here. And you know what? It's always good to catch up with you and, and especially to have you on the on the podcast. But, you know, we invited you back to talk about terminations for performance related issues because, you know, that's something a business owner or business leader will, will encounter. It's one of those things, you know, not... Not every day is full of roses and sunshine, especially, you know, especially when dealing with an employee who's created a toxic work environment. And unfortunately, you do see that. So maybe you can just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a great topic, Robin. And it goes without saying that every employer should ensure their workplaces are free from toxic work and that they properly investigate allegations of workplace harassment. Yeah, as as a business owner uh, myself, I I have to agree. So if an employer conducts a proper investigation and then they determine that employees engaged in harassing behavior, can they just fire that employee for just cause or without a severance package? It's a great question. It's also a tough one that employers that I deal with grapple with, sadly, on on a frequent occasion. And the answer can be a little bit surprising. Today, I'd like to talk about two recent cases that have come through our judicial system. The first case is known as the Render and Thyssenkrupp Elevator case. And the second case is known as the Ontario Provincial Police and OPPA, the Ontario Provincial Police Association case, also known as the Gretschke case. These two cases provide some guidance as to whether a court or decision makers decide when a dismissal for just cause is warranted in the context of a workplace environment, in a toxic workplace environment of that. The cases are interesting because in the render case, an employee's dismissal for just cause was upheld by a court after the employee was dismissed for just a single incident of sexual harassment. In the Gretschy case, an employee's dismissal was for cause was overturned by an arbitrator. 
even though the employee engaged in multiple shocking and frankly disturbing incidents of uh, misconduct. Really? So a single instance of misconduct led to finding of just cause while just cause was not justified for a prolonged series of misconduct? Yeah. So before we get into these cases, I should note that the render case, uh, which involved the single incident of misconduct, involved a non-unionized employee who brought a lawsuit for wrongful dismissal to protest his dismissal for just cause. Those types of cases are heard by a judge in our court system. The Gretchy case, the OPP case that I mentioned, involved a unionized employee who worked for the OPP, who through his union brought forward a grievance to protest his dismissal for just cause. That grievance escalated before a single arbitrator who then made a binding decision. Rich, do you think the unionized versus non-unionized forms played a role in different outcomes? I don't think so because arbitrators and decision makers will refer to judge-made legal precedent when considering principles of just cause. Instead, I think the difference has to do with the level of remorse shown by the employees in each case. To explain that, why don't I start talking about the render case and then turn to the Gretchy case. So the render case involved Mark Render. He was an operations manager for ThyssenKrupp Elevator, his employer. He had no prior history of misconduct after 30 years of service, but was dismissed for just cause after an incident involving the complainant, Linda Vieira. The work environment apparently had a friendly and joking atmosphere that Mr. Render fostered to, quote unquote, reduce stress. The atmosphere included making inappropriate jokes, and Ms. Vieira and Mr. Render had a long history of engaging in such jokes and banders. She was actually quite a participant in the jokes and banter, rather. Okay, so what did Render do to get him fired then? So in brief, the incident involved Mr. Render's joking with Ms. Vieira. He made a sweeping gesture with his right hand, and according to him, he accidentally touched her butt. Upon that contact, she immediately gasped and said what he did was not okay. Mr. Render asked if she was being serious and why she was upset when she had previously punched him in the arm on another occasion. Ms. Vieira said that his conduct was different because he hit her on a private sexual part of her body. She reported the incident and after conducting an investigation, the company dismissed Mr. Render for cause. So obviously he sued. Yeah, he sued. And at trial, the judge accepted that the slap was not an accident because it was sufficient to cause Ms. Vieira to be shocked and upset. Regardless of whether the act was sexual harassment or assault, the judge found that the purpose of the slap was the same. Uh, and I'll quote from the decision. It was to assert dominance over Ms. Vieira and to demean and embarrass her in front of her colleagues. The judge was satisfied that the act of slapping Ms. Vieira's buttocks was an attack on her dignity and self-respect and was unacceptable in today's workplace. And so the judge determined just cause was an appropriate response to Mr. Render's misconduct. I wonder if the outcome of the Render case, you know, as an example of the courts not tolerating any form of sexual harassment in the workplace, could maybe that be an explanation for why the judge upheld his dismissal for cause? I think the fact that his conduct was seen as intending to demean Ms. Vieira added to the seriousness of the act. But you'll see in the Gretchy case, the employee there engaged in conduct that, in my view, was much worse than what happened in Render, 
given the seriousness and frequency of the conduct at issue. Okay, so let's talk about the Grutchy case then. What happened? So that case involved Kevin Grutchy. Like Mr. Render, he had no documented history of misconduct after only 11 years of service with the OPP. You'll remember that Mr. Render had 30 years of service. An investigation against Mr. Grutchy began after a report of an incident in which he, at the end of a staff Christmas party, took a cookie from a tray of leftovers, brought the cookie to a bathroom, and used his cell phone to take a photo of the cookie placed on his penis. He then sent the photo to two coworkers stating Merry Christmas and told one of the coworkers he put the cookie back on the tray, although he didn't actually do that. So after he did that, rumors of the photo spread around the workplace with many coworkers believing he put the cookie back on the tray. A coworker who had taken some of the cookies home to share with his daughter was horrified at the prospect that she might have eaten the cookie oh, in Mr. No. Grutchy's photo. That coworker complained to management about Mr. Grutchy's conduct, but the coworker also complained about the unfair treatment the coworker had received by other employees, and he made broader allegations of workplace harassment. Okay, so this is something right out of the movies. I got to ask, what happened next? Yeah, it's a pretty shocking story. Yeah. It actually gets worse. It turns out that Mr. Gretchy's workplace involved widespread toxic behavior that had become acceptable, open, and was even encouraged by the senior employees of Mr. Gretchy's unit. He was placed on a suspension, and then other employees came forward with complaints about his past conduct. These allegations were incorporated into the investigation. Most of the allegations involved Mr. Gretchy's use of inappropriate language in the workplace, including racist and sexist language to refer to others. Are you able to share what he said? Yeah, well, the things he said are hard for me to repeat. For instance, he was accused of using the terms angry lesbian, gay ray, Down syndrome kid to describe certain coworkers, He referred to Indigenous people as savages, and he used the N-word on multiple occasions. Wow, that is really serious. Yeah, and after speaking to several witnesses, an investigator concluded that all the allegations against Mr. Grushy were founded. As a result, the OPP dismissed him for cause. And I'm assuming this is where he brought a case against the OPP? Yeah, he did. And well, actually, his union did it for him. And at the arbitration, the arbitrator held that some of the allegations made against him were not actually supported by the evidence, in contrast to the investigators' findings. But Mr. Gretchy did admit to some of the allegations, including the cookie incident. And the arbitrator held that Mr. Gretchy did engage in harassment, disrespectful behavior, and contributed to a poisoned work environment and breach of numerous OPP policies. So, I mean, I'm just assuming here the arbitrator must have thrown the book at him, right? Yeah, he didn't, Robin. So this is what's so interesting about this case to me. And I've read it a couple of times. I've talked to about it with my colleagues. My associate Domenica and I have talked about it. We're actually quite surprised by the decision here. So the arbitrator exercised his discretion to substitute Mr. Grutchy's dismissal with a lesser penalty of a three-month suspension, and the arbitrator ordered Mr. Gretchy to be reinstated without back pay and without loss of seniority. That seems strange to me, Rich. Like, how do we reconcile the fact that 
the penalty in the render case, which involved a single instant of sexual harassment, from what you're telling me, was not as severe as the penalty in the Grutchy case, which involved repeated examples of workplace har- harassment. So in short, it has to do with remorse. And this is what I want your listeners to really pay attention to, Robin. The judge in the Render case thought just cause was appropriate because, among other things, Mr. Render's conduct and the incident indicated that he didn't appreciate the seriousness of his act. How so? Well, instead of taking responsibility for his actions, Mr. Render made his own formal complaint to HR that Ms. Vieira had previously punched him in the shoulder. And at trial, Mr. Rander also maintained that slapping a subordinate female worker's butt was the same as a punch in the shoulder. And from the court's perspective, and I think from any right-thinking person's perspective, this Mm -hmm. demonstrated on his part a lack of understanding regarding sexual assault or sexual harassment in the workplace. Another item to think about is, uh, for the trial judge anyways, was that when Mr. Rander was asked if he still held that attitude, that slapping a subordinate female workers in the butt was the same as a punch in the shoulder. He said, I'll hold that attitude till the day I die. And so that was a significant factor in the judge's determination that just cause was appropriate. It was clear to the judge that Mr. Render didn't have a significant appreciation or any appreciation at all of what he did. And he also couldn't be held to the company's workplace policy that prohibited sexual harassment in the workplace. So he didn't think what he did was that bad after all? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Okay. Let's go back to the Gretchy case for a second. Did Mr. Gretchy behave differently after he was accused? He absolutely did, Robin. The arbitrator and Grutchy, among other things, considered the fact that Mr. Grutchy, at each stage of his employer's investigation and at the arbitration hearing, expressed sincere remorse for his actions. The evidence indicated that during a predisciplinary meeting that took place after the OPP completed its investigation into Mr. Grutchy's conduct, Mr. Grutchy apologized for his behavior. The arbitrator also found that his apology was genuine, demonstrated that he understood his misconduct, and that he deeply regretted what he did. The arbitrator also found that Mr. Gretchy had the will to prove that he was capable of complying professionally with workplace expectations. Rich, every conversation with you is is so interesting. I mean, if I'm sitting back, I mean, the, the obvious question for me is, like, what does this mean for employers if they're considering dismissing an employee for cause? It's a, a really good question, and it's one that I get asked quite frequently, as I mentioned earlier, particularly in the case of uh, workplace misconduct involving sexual harassment and sexual assault or just toxic workplace behavior. The ultimate question for a court or a decision maker in a case involving just cause is whether the employee's misconduct was so bad that the employment relationship became irreparably damaged. The cases that we've talked about today suggest that an employee's sincere apology and acknowledgement of wrongdoing can go a long way and demonstrating that the employee can be rehabilitated and is not worthy of being dismissed for just cause. Keep in mind that in the Gretchy case, Mr. Gretchy had an unblemished tenure of service of 11 years. And I think that would have been a factor for consideration in the arbitrator's decision in that case. On the other hand, an employee's insistence in denying any wrongdoing, especially at a trial or hearing, may encourage a decision maker to find that an employment relationship cannot be maintained. So in that sense, we look at the render case and we see someone who had 
30 years of service, also unblemished, fired for just cause justifiably because he refused to acknowledge the severity of the misconduct in which he engaged. So whether an employee demonstrates sincere remorse for his misconduct or her misconduct or their misconduct is something an employer should consider before dismissing the employee for just cause. And of course, the employer could consider other alternatives. An obvious example would be to dismiss with a severance package or to suspend with pay or without pay, or to provide a letter of reprimand. You mentioned that, you know, the workplace in the render case had a quote, unquote, joking atmosphere that involved inappropriate jokes. And the workplace in the Grutchy, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, Grutchy or Grucci, had a widespread toxic environment. Did these toxic work environments play a role in how the judge and the arbitrator made their decision? Yeah, so both cases involved a toxic work environment. As I mentioned in the Render case, Render and Ms. Salavera both engaged in inappropriate jokes and banter. In the Grutchy case, Mr. Grutchy uh, was the participant in a what seemed to be an overall toxic work environment. So both the judge in Render and the arbitrator in Grutchy found that the toxic work environment was not an excuse, though, for Mr. Render and Mr. Grutchy's behavior. So despite the fact that there was a general toxic work environment in both cases, the decision makers said, that shouldn't have any, any bearing on my decision as to whether these individuals were properly dismissed for cause. This is an important takeaway for employers because while employers should, of course, strive to ensure their workplaces are free of toxic environments to avoid these situations altogether, it's helpful to know that there's precedent that suggests an employee's bad behavior will not be excused by the workplace culture. You know, Rich, I have a chat with my team and, you know, in employee benefits, I often say there's never a boring day. And then I have a conversation with you and I'm like, we're not even competing at your level with, <laughs> with the stuff that you're dealing with. Yeah. I think this is going to be super useful. I mean, you are likely the most requested guest to come back on the podcast because every time you deliver such valuable information, as always, I mean, we've had a lot of people reach out every single time you're on and we're always happy to put them in touch with you. But if people, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming on because I know know how busy you are and uh, always appreciate this. And I know my audience appreciates it too. So thank you for joining us and sharing uh, all this great information. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or your friends? or what you're doing these days. Yeah, thanks for that, Robin. And of course, uh, as I mentioned, it's always a pleasure for me to be here. If someone wants to be in touch with me, they can go to my website at Appia Law. That's A-P-P-I-A-H-L-A-W.com. They can send me an email at rich, R-I-C-H, at appialaw.com. Or they can give me a call. Um, I'm always happy to hear from people over the phone. I always pick up my phone when I can. My phone number is 416-900-3715. All right. Well, that's awesome. Thanks again. That does it for today's episode. I enjoy every conversation I have with my friend, Rich Yakia. <laughs> He's become a friend of our firm and I encourage you to make him a friend of yours too. So if you have any questions for Al, who's not with us today, but he usually is, or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends.